The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 86 of The Overview. I'm Chamman V, and he's Harsha. Harsha for the first time, yes. And he's Doomfist ZP. Once again, the skin that we all <laughs> this love. This has never happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, I don't know what you're talking how much did, about. How much did we pay for this skin? Like, Actually, ZP, how much did you pay for this skin, this, this Doomfist skin? Did you buy oh, yeah. this skin? Seventy-five in game. Seventy-five in game. Right yes, it's a legend. Uh, it's not legendary, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I probably have the skin. I feel like I should have it if I don't, just because of how <laughs> much I've used it on here. So you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, excuse us. He's reformatted his, his uh, hard drive, so we'll we'll have to get the ZP back on cam next week. Ben, unfortunately, is not here today. He's totally bogged down. IRL, unfortunately, so um, you know we'll we'll have to have him on uh, next time too. But instead, we've got Harsha here, so this is Harsha's plenty of uh, entertainment for us today. Really excited to have you on, buddy. Hopefully, I'm not too big of a letdown. What? <laughs> of course not, man. <laughs> um, Everyone on Harsha's team is so upset that uh, about his performance uh, here tonight that they all just cleared out. That's why there's <laughs> no one from San Francisco shock behind him right now. They actually could not stand to watch it happen. Yeah, they cleared the room. That's why he's the only person in the practice room right now. Normally, they'd be practicing, right? Like hard at work at night, but no, they just went um, I'm just a hard ass. I kick them all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, before we get started, we got a lot to talk about, but I uh, want to actually let you guys know that this episode is sponsored by Freshly. Uh, Freshly is an awesome meals uh, service that you can uh, partake in, and we'll talk about it a bit more later on, but want to let you guys know up front. Uh, but lots of stuff to talk about today. Games. So, so we're talking about a new event. Winter Wonderland is going to be returning to us. Uh, we got Harsha here, of course, so we're going to interview him with a, a lot of changes in his life, so get it, get the lowdown on that. And then, of course, preseason Overwatch League with all the matches that we've seen yesterday and tonight. We'll just kind of go through and get our opinions on just everything that we've seen, production, spectator, everything. And then, uh, lastly, just you know, a little bit of news and then some Q&A at the end. If you got some questions for us, go ahead and email those to theoverview at chamev.tv, and we'll try to read them out. Either uh, probably next week because I usually don't check my mail on <laughs> doing the show. Uh, but all right, guys. So let's start with the game, just the non-esports stuff, you know, for the the you know, just to show that we're not just an esports show. Uh, let's talk about the Winter Wonderland, which is the uh, the holiday uh, event that we have grown to love. You know, usually with the the cool Christmas skins and things like that. Um, you guys excited about this event? Is it one of your favorites? I'll be honest. So last winter break, I didn't have a PC with me, so I couldn't play. You oh know, no! Play snowball and all of that. I didn't okay. get any of the skins. And this year, I actually haven't been able to check out the event at all because I've just been bogged down by by work. Well, hasn't so, started yet, dude. So yeah, yeah. But, but I actually like I don't know what the new stuff they've added in. I assume mm -hmm. like they're they're bringing back all the skins and then probably mm -hmm. putting the the base snowball event back in. But yeah. I mean, I'm excited to at least unlock the the candy cane roadhog skin. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be definitely awesome. 
Marcia, you can't begin your career as a Torb one trick unless you play <laughs> the game where he's reading from a book. So you know, if you ever want to pursue that path, uh, you're going to have that available to you. Uh, not, you'll be able to get that play the game that you missed uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, sitting on the guys, the best. That's one of the best ones, actually. I love that one. Um, but yes, yeah, so they're, they're bringing back the May Snowball, so you get a chance to play that too. Um, they're actually going uh, added they added a map that you can play snowball on so it's not just antarctica they they redid dark forest the uh the arena map and snowball take place there they added another game mode though which is um i mean it, it was so funny watching that video i don't know if you guys got a chance to, to watch jeff talk about it but it, i was just watching him just like he's just trying not to say evolve like this whole time because this new game mode is juggernaut you know where it's like a yeti winston versus like five maze i'm like i'm he's just trying not to say evolve this whole time because that's pretty much what it is and he's like describing it it was like hilarious but yeah that's the new game mode so we're, we're gonna have um you know if you want a six q you'll have one of the guys be a, a winston yeti and then the others are may and it's literally like evolve you go and, and try to find the yeti and the yeti's like powering up by picking up stuff along the way and then I, I'm just assuming he's gonna get stronger and stronger, and then it's gonna like roll reversal after that. Um, but yeah, what do you think of that? I actually, and I mean, I'm only half serious when I say this. I think it's a cool game mode, especially as just mm -hmm. a side thing to entertain people. But I do kind of feel like there's an opportunity lost here by not making it a hero that people tend to have some ire to when it's the only thing being played. Like, what if it was just a Hanzo that grew in strength over the course of uh, the map? <laughs> oh, you as the villain. Oh, okay. Well, it'd, okay. it'd be the one game mode where you could one-trick Hanzo and it'd make sense because that's the only thing you can play. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> That's an interesting take on that. Yeah, I, I guess you could do that. Um, what about you, Harsha? You ever play Evolve, or, or even haven't. Left 4 Dead? Left 4 Dead, uh, the tank, the the tank guy, you know, in Left 4 Dead. You ever done any of that? I'm actually an FPS noob, so oh, okay. I played some Never. CS:GO and I played Overwatch, and pretty much okay. it. All right. I mean, I remember playing Left 4 Dead in the the uh, hospital map on like the the, the rooftop. I remember playing that like hours, I mean days, not even hours, days and days with my friends. And it was it was so fun just whenever somebody would turn into the tank and we would just be killing them and stuff. So here's the thing for me with Left 4 Dead is that it's not even playing the tank that was hilarious to me. It was in the original Left 4 Dead, like the original cast, uh, not yeah. Left 4 Dead 2, but the voice lines for the original Left 4 Dead were some of the most hilarious voice I lines. I remember them, really? Yes, like when you had the tank come in and you know some guy is getting hit the tank in the corner is like he's killing me. <laughs> like, <just screwed. laughs> okay. like, like the entire spectacle of the tank coming in was hilarious to me. Okay, I can't even remember the voice lines. I'm gonna have to go back and, and check them out or find them online somewhere. Um, but yeah, so that's a new game mode. That's awesome that they actually have a, a, a new one. Just and it's not just May Snowball. Uh, they also mentioned the Hanzo skin. There's some Hanzo skin that showed up in maybe really? some of the short or. I don't know, just some of the different uh, footage before that they're finally releasing. So I don't, I don't even know which one that is. It's interesting because I remember Jeff Kaplan saying in like an interview, I think like six months ago, that they had two Hanzo skins that were completely developed but weren't being released yet. So maybe this is one of those. Yeah. I hope they have some more holiday ones too because I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm the cheesy type. I like the really over-the-top ones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the last event, they had like regular ones, you know, to, like as half of them. I hope they don't get, get too far into that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, guys, get ready for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, it's going to be the month of December, probably a little bit early January, too. Um, 
but I don't, that's about it for the game. I don't think there's been any kind of updates on the patch or anything like that. Um, I mean, did we talk about Doomfist? I guess we didn't talk about some of the Doomfist changes. Um, are they changing him? Yeah, uh, just fixing a lot of the bugs. Like I, I think uh, Jeff listed out a bunch, or Jeff Goodman listed out a bunch, bunch of uh, little changes they ma- they're making or trying out on PTR. Uh, so I don't know. It had a lot to do with like um, the, you know, like I, I think after you know after you charge somebody or after you you actually punch somebody and and um, I think how how they react from that I, I, they're they definitely are making some corrections there. I don't actually so have is one of those of yeah is one of those bugs uh, giving them a, a webcam? <laughs> no, no. It re- no, I'm pretty no. sure that's one of the bugs on the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it actually is there. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not looking at the right. <laughs> no, that's a realistic picture of a DP. <laughs> um, uh, I personally have been hitting the gym very hard in recent times. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Uh, none of my suits fit me anymore because I'm just too small. Yeah, God. Actually, now that I didn't even mean to talk about this, but now that I brought it up, I need to actually go and find and bring it up here. But um, in the meantime, though, while while I'm doing that, we'll, we'll kind of circle back. Um, Harsha, you know, just since we have you on here, I figured we'd do like a little mini interview with you, given that uh, uh, lots of has changed for you, you know, in the, the most recent history. And it's really, really cool news. So, um, yeah, I want to just get your thoughts. You know, congrats on, on joining the San Francisco Shock. I don't think anybody was shocked at that when you mentioned it because it was one of the worst kept secrets ever. But Indeed. Uh, you know, when you finally did announce it, that was you know, I think a lot of people were happy for you. Uh, so how is it being in OWL on uh, San Francisco? Uh, you know, pretty great. I can't complain. I everything about Overwatch League has been really cool so far. Uh, we have like an amazing practice facility. I have a team that like. So one of the things that I haven't really talked about much, but I I really enjoy about this team is that we come into the season as underdogs but i think we have like a, a ton of potential on this team so what i mean by that is like we have really individually skilled players and my goal and you know the goal of the the rest of the coaching staff which is uh legit rc and uh brad from selfless is that we just need to make these guys work together and make sure that that their talent can actually shine through and i guess you kind of saw a glimpse of that in the preseason so far so i'm you know really happy with my position uh pretty great to be here yeah that's awesome man uh, how did it come about? Like, were you talking to a, like, did you just talk to like Andy Miller or, or who, who were you talking to to even uh, uh, really uh, you know, just be able to even be offered this job? And, and were there other teams that were looking or you were talking to too? So this is kind of a long-winded story. <laughs> okay. And essentially essentially what happened, and I'm, I'm fine saying this now, but uh, because it was kind of revealed on Around the Watch, which is a, another podcast. But yeah, sure. essentially I was working with uh, Legit RC before on building Cloud9's, you know, Western ro- or mostly Western roster. And what ended up happening is that there were a bunch of you know, contractual issues with a lot of players. And basically, the- Jack was in Korea and decided, hey, I might as well just get <laughs> this Korean team. So he picked up uh, Kongdu and then later on GC Son, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, me and Legit, were actually going to go work with another team, and that didn't pan out. And so what ended up happening is Legit, linked up with uh, Brad, his old, you know, mm, friend selfless. from Selfless. And uh, they were working on the team, decided they wanted to up their staff, asked me if I wanted to trial. And after a few days, they are like, yeah, uh, come come on and join. And so just talked to Brad and Andy, and it worked out pretty well, I would say. So so quick uh, follow-up question from that. Do you think Jack is going to buy the LA Gladiators? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, there's, there's only one more uh, top Korean team left, so he has to buy Runaway. Oh, that's true. Right. 
but isn't but Runaway without I don't I don't know if Runaway is going to be the same uh, without some of those guys or at least uh, the uh, the entire roster the entire roster is not available is it? Uh, they wanted to they wanted to do something with uh, bringing the entire roster into Owl, but I don't yeah. think that happened. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think there's something about Runner going to the military. Yeah, now too. that's what I was going to say. Like Runner, I think it wouldn't even be available. So it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I think that's a huge deal too. Like if you yeah. don't, you can't have Runaway without Runner. So um, uh, I was gonna, what's I gonna add? There's something I was gonna follow up with, but then <laughs> EZP followed up with that. Uh, well, I know what it was. I, it was like when you're trying out. What does that even mean? <laughs> like whenever you're trying out with a team, I mean, are you just basically just doing, you know, just telling them everything when you're trying out. So basically, I think the tryout process for analysts is kind of strange, but I guess maybe it's probably the same with coaches, although coaches, you probably do a bit more of the, you know, the ma managing personalities and yeah. whatnot. Mm -hmm. But for an analyst, it was just kind of watching scrims for, you know, eight hours a day for like, I think it was like two or three days before they decided. And I just talked to them about the game, like my vision for the game and uh, mm -hmm. where I thought from, from watching those scrims, where I thought we needed the most improvement. And it kind of lined up with their philosophy a lot, and so I think that's pretty much why I ended up in the role. Okay, yeah, I, I would say cool. here, so this is an interesting topic, because I think one of the big stories about Owl Season 1, when the dust has settled, is sort of looking at what teams had a coaching and support staff that did well, and what teams had a coaching and support staff that, when judged after the fact, uh, did very little i guess what first of all what are you doing uh, effectively like what is a day and your responsibilities for san francisco and to your knowledge like how does that differ potentially from how other teams might be handling the same position because there's a lot of different takes on how to handle an analyst position uh within a team right now uh, just to put it mildly so i guess you could say like first off to to you know set the set the scene kind of there's kind of like a hierarchy here where Brad's pretty much the head coach and then me and Legit are, you know, adding our input. And the way it kind of works is that all of our roles, even though we were kind of hired for specific roles, we all kind of blend them together. So basically what, what uh, the focus was for me uh, specifically was like kind of macro play you know, strategies, uh, how we're going to take certain maps, how we're going to, uh, you know, what comps we're going to use and what I think is best in the metagame. And Brad was also kind of uh, doing a bit of both of my work and Legit's work in that sense, and Legit was doing like mostly uh, single-player stuff, right? So mm -hmm. telling people what they're doing wrong mechanically, where they need to improve, kind of watching from their perspective and looking at what their biggest weaknesses are. But, I mean, a lot of us, like all of us pretty much watch the game all day, every day, and so we kind of just blend the roles together, and we're all basically in one room together with the team uh, going through scrims every day, going through VODs, going through like uh, walkthroughs on maps. So it's just like a lot of, uh, I would say, really structured coaching in that sense. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of just like when, you know, head coach has like an offensive coordinator and a defensive yeah, coordinator, exactly. you know, that sort of thing. Do you see that kind of happening? Like people just coming as packages in a way? When so I definitely, I definitely see that in other teams uh, specifically. Like I know... Um, I believe Flame hired, he hired like Tyrong as the head coach. He's kind of managing personalities because he's, you know, from like an elevated position in Korea, whereas they have Mezer as like a tank coach. Mm -hmm. And then I believe they have other people working with them as well, but I don't remember off the top of my head. And I know Boston kind of does a similar thing with their coaching staff. So I do think that a lot of staffs have decided to go that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
maybe we decide to specialize down the road. I'm not really sure, but like right now, I think what we're doing is working pretty well, so it's not that big of a concern for us. Let me ask you this: Who, at the end of the day, is actually a value? Like, obviously, team will be judged mo- more so on wins and losses. But uh, the thing that intrigues me about the entire coaching setup is that it feels like because how to set up a coaching team for something like OWL is so new, it feels like you don't really have the evaluation process for different members of a team where like, you know, let's throw out a hypothetical here where you have an org where maybe the support staff, like the supporting analysts are doing a really good job, but the head coach who actually has a direct rapport with uh, the person who's making the hiring decisions is sort of the one giving feedback, but that person might be the one that's like making bad decisions. Like essentially, where is the review process for all this? Where, because obviously throughout the different teams, like some people will be doing good the job, some people will be doing not so good. But if you have a team that's like not doing well, how do you properly evaluate who's doing well on the team? Like it, it just it's interesting to me because it doesn't really seem like there's a great way of judging all that. Like there might be in more established uh, sports. So I'd agree with that, especially because it's like year one and not everybody knows what they're doing. I would say. Uh, not 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 that that's a dig at anybody. I'm just saying, like in general, that seems like it could be an issue, right? So, I think one of the the cool things about Overwatch League though is that all the owners are very involved. I've seen like tons of them walking around actually in the stadium today and uh, yesterday. And you know, our our guys from NRG came out today, and I think uh, actually one of our owners, Brett, is going to end up moving out here in January. So a lot of these owners are actually trying to be very involved with their teams. Uh. Actually, one other thing, like Huck, uh, who's the the president of gaming at at uh, Austin, Austin mm-hmm. yeah, for the craft group, right? He's actually been in with that team every day, like twenty four seven, pretty much. So I know, like, I think when it comes to that sort of thing, um, I think being involved and all the owners being very invested in this, you know, they put in twenty million dollars each. Uh, I think that's kind of how the the review process is going to be. And you know, it's not perfect, but I think that it's better than not having that real insurance policy at all. The one caveat I would say there is that in theory, like, yes, that does make sense with, uh, that will definitely be true for certain teams with the ownership being highly involved, but some of the other ownership groups, for example, $20 million to them is sort of the, I'm going to go out and have a higher end dinner for myself on a personal (laughs) level in terms of like, you know, percentage of income being spent. So there is a slight uh, difference there, I guess, between the teams, but it it does make me wonder if the teams with the more active ownership, because it is a more, you know, higher percentage will be more aggressive in doing things like making coaching moves and, uh, you know, being more hands-on. I mean, it could be that. I mean, I I think it has a lot to do with expectations too. You know, like I think right from the get-go, you guys have probably already had this discussion as a, you know, know, just a a team, meaning like owners and management and coaching staff, players and everything. And I think, you know, just having an honest discussion about what our expectations are for seasons in one and, you know, um, and after season one happens, you know, kind of measuring just the season versus what those were uh, and then kind of going to season two. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that uh, like any other coaching scenario, it's like you, you can't just fire any, you know, you can't fire a coach after like a single season, you know, it's like you really have to give them a chance. And I think in Overwatch League, it's probably two years. I, I bet it's probably two seasons, you know, and if, if you don't if the organization isn't really together, at least the player aspect, you know, and, and that doesn't seem to be working, then I, I could see, you know, management really taking a look at that. But season one, like, I'd be shocked. You know, I originally, maybe I, I kind of felt that, you know, yeah, okay, people just 
make changes if they need to after season one. But the more and more I've thought about it, it's just like, you know, th- these guys are going to be given a proper chance. And a proper chance really deserves more than just a single season. So, well, okay. one quick caveat I want to say there is that you would say that, but first of all, esports is on a more accelerated timeline than traditional sports are. And you still have plenty of cases, even in sports as high as the NFL or the NBA or MLB, where you bring in management that gets canned after a full season or even in some cases half a season. So, even in those cases, like people don't always get time, just to note. So from from my perspective, I think that that makes sense. But I also have to add a, like another caveat in the sense that I think that there are pretty much two things that you should be doing, or one of two things you should be doing uh, in this year of Overwatch League. I think you either build a team that you want to win now, or you build a team that you want to develop into winners down the road, right? And I think if if you build a team and don't show a clear progression towards one of those goals, then maybe probably do something right well and that that leads to expectations again you know like you say hey we want to win now so that's the expectations you're under you know just as a you know coach coaching staff as a general manager whatever it is so if you don't win then you're going to be measured upon that and that's going to you know look badly you know for you sure is there is there a scenario where people do get replaced in season one of course there is i mean you can utterly fail to the point where it's just not palatable and acceptable but I just, you know, I, for the most part, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, it would take like complete crazy failure. And I just don't, I don't see that. I don't even see signs of that quite yet. So, um, uh, yeah, that would actually really, really surprise me. And I think from the preseason match we've seen, mm-hmm. obviously they're preseason. They're not as serious as a regular season match, but it does look like yeah. Overwatch League is going to be quite competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from what we've seen, like you said. We'll see what tomorrow looks like, too. But uh, the first two days have been awesome. I actually think that you're going to see more parody in the beginning, though, than you would see (laughs) later on. And the reason for that is is that when you talk about this entire idea of like coaching and analysts and everything that's around, right, is that you're dealing with an environment right now where there's not a whole lot of data on many of these teams or even the teams that had established cores like – the fuel, for example, are still making a lot of changes. The only team that actually had a lot of game tape on them was Misfits, which we'll talk about later. But as time goes on here, there's going to be a lot of information in regards to how teams are playing and the teams that have the more agile involved coaching staffs compared to those that are not actually making adaptations. I think the difference will be rather profound because you'll see some teams that will change things up regularly and with purpose. And then you'll see other teams where they're just getting completely destroyed on, say, Ike involved for the fourth uh, you know, series in a row. So there's going to be some key differences there, I think, as the Overwatch League moves on. Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. be interesting to see, like, just where the scapegoating happens. You know, like, is it going to be the players, you know, that are going to be you know, fingers pointed at them? Or is it going to be, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, analysts that are going to have, have probably not the analysts, but probably the coaching staff, <laughs> is, the coaches, the head coaches that are going to have their fingers. Uh, per- personally, I think if you have any problems with San Francisco Shock, you should just blame Harsha immediately. <laughs> oh, man. No, don't necessarily do no. that. We don't know the full <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but speaking of season one, um, you know, what are your expectations just of your team? You know, you definitely did mention that uh, you, you feel like they're underdogs, and I think that's completely fair given that I think most people think that the Shock, or at least with preseason rankings, they thought the Shock would finish, you know, bottom three, or maybe four. Uh, so do you agree with that? Do you like that? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on just that? So from from my perspective, 
and this is going to sound really optimistic, but I, I think that there's no reason for for any anybody to be working in this league if you don't think you can at least do work to end up at the top, right? And so because of that, like from working with these guys and seeing what they're capable of, I think that we can definitely do well enough to. I, I, my goal personally is playoffs, um, but like I think that everybody here is just aiming to win every game that they can. And that's, that seems like a really PR answer, but I, I don't know. It's hard to give placings when you know the this this whole league ends in six months, right? So everybody does kind of have that have us in that like nine to twelve kind of spot, or maybe ten to twelve. But I definitely don't think we're we're that kind of team. I think we're going to be significantly better than people think. And I actually think that it's really hard to say because you know scrims aren't don't mean everything in the world. But I think that like. A lot of people are going to be pretty shocked by shocked ha, ha, by uh, how the how the <laughs> the league. And, <laughs> well, I think that people will be uh, you know surprised, surprised by how the league plays out. Right, right. Uh, well, and, I, you go, go ahead, TV. No, I was going to say. I mean, first of all, uh, scrim bucks are incredibly valuable. I've used them to purchase at least five yachts. But <laughs> I, I mean, to that point, I mean that's the attitude you have to have, right? Uh, I would be surprised to meet the person who wakes up uh, every day and goes. Today, I aspire to mediocrity. A good <laughs> fifth to sixth place, that's where I want to be. That That's really just, you know, unless, of course, you were uh, one of the more tortured franchises in the NBA that doesn't have a star player. But, you know, short of that, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the attitude you have to have, right? You don't want to go into work every day and go, man, you know what? Seventh, this, this sounds good. Yeah, I mean. So well, I mean, yes, of course you're going to like, I mean, it's good that you said that you want to shoot for the playoffs, you know. If you said that you wanted to to just you think you can win the league, I mean that that's like a huge statement too. So you know, I think given that you said the playoffs, I mean that's that's cool. I mean, I think that's a um, I don't know if that's a reasonable goal or not, or if that's you know it's, uh, something that you think is more of a reasonable goal than just saying that you want to win the entire thing, well, which is maybe something you want well, too. Um, of course, I of course I want to win. Like of course. The entire- like I, I don't want to come into work saying uh, time to be like like ZPU saying five, fifth or six. I don't want to come in saying oh, I want to be the second best. Of you course, know? yeah. But um, I think that with this team, we definitely have the talent to to push for playoffs and do some work there. Right. Okay. Uh, and what's interesting too about your team is that you're going to get Super and Sinatra like midway through too. Uh, so um, how are you guys going to have that? How are you going to work that transition in, or how do you think the team's going to do that? Are you guys going to just continually practice with them but of course you know obviously the 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 games are gonna you know take place without them and just try to have as smooth of a transition going into it or is it just going to be one of those things where you know if things are going well just with our current lineup then we're just going to roll with them until we need to i mean brad or sefi as people know him i guess uh always says this but if we're 20 and 0 there's no reason to switch anything up right we we want to go into the uh into the league with the roster that we think is going to win the most and if we're already winning there's no reason to really switch anything that said, Sinatra and Super both incredibly talented players. I so I personally have only had the the opportunity to watch Super from like a, a comms point of view, like being able to understand everything that's going on in the game without just watching a stream. Uh, only once before, uh, I would say like two weeks ago, because when I was you know trying out actively with the team, it was just uh, the the six people or the seven people that were in uh, Vegas with the the team, right? Mm-hmm. So. Nevix actually had to go to Canada to get his visa sorted out, and so we had Super step in and fill up for that uh, that flex role. And he, one of the things I noticed immediately, this guy is like, he his comms are so incredibly good. Like this guy, he notices everything that's happening in the game. He's a really smart player. 
he he jokes about it in game actually he says he's the most cerebral player in the league but like but um like 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 high super IQ. sinatra yeah high iq these guys are very very good players very talented very smart and like you know if if need be they'll they'll step in if not we'll see yeah well personally i'd like to see him he's got style man that kid's got I actually style. Have to, <laughs> i want to add one thing okay, uh, sure. sinatra is obviously best known for like tracer the tracer zarya genji and not really much else i would say but uh, i guess you could add soldier in there but super le- legitimately plays any hero in the game so i think that's one thing that we can you know add in is that if we're struggling in a specific role maybe he's the one that has to step in Mm-hmm. Okay, and I can uh, attest to that too. Where uh, even you think back to Super's glory days uh, with you know back with hammers, and then later uh, LG Evil, and then entire sagas, that he would be the one person where you'd go, hmm, you don't really see a Reinhardt uh, main as he was back then. Suddenly yeah. swap the tracer and then actually do anything with it. Usually the <laughs> standard was, oh, it's at right. the end of the game and the Reinhardt has gone tracer. Look at him go; he's blinking on the point, not killing anything. But then Super would be the one player who would do that sort of swap and then kill two, three people. And you go, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, okay, well, you know, we, we've we uh, obviously been holding off on talking about the preseason. So why, why don't we jump into some preseason Overwatch League and um, kind of get into just everything that we've seen. Just uh, this last two days, there's obviously going to be another two days. Uh, but I think we've seen a lot. Uh, first off, just for folks that maybe uh, haven't been watching or maybe wondering why, like on day one, that the shock, you know, uh, Harsh's San Francisco shock team played twice. Uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Fusion team is not participating in the preseason because they're having a lot of issues getting all their players like just here to the U.S. with you know visas and everything. So unfortunately, unfortunately, we won't be able to see them. But come regular season, of course, we'll get a chance to see them. That just gives you guys just more chances, right? Just to, to kind of show off, which uh, we got a chance to see yesterday. Uh, so before we get into the matches, let's just talk about some of the stuff around it. You know, just all the production stuff and things like that. Uh, first off, it wasn't on the Twitch stream, which, you know, just like caused this big old discussion, everybody wondering what's going on. Uh, so, you know, of course it affects viewership. Obviously, there's a reason for it, guys. I mean, it's not like, yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna only do Overwatch League on MLG.tv. There's no, no, that's not gonna be the case. You know, there's definitely something going on. I don't know if it, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it or not, or I, I don't know. But um, I know Richard Lewis. I, I mean, I don't know who his sources are or anything, but he mm-hmm. he basically said that uh, his sources tell him that a broadcast deal with Twitch is already completed, and they're just looking for secondary people. So I wouldn't. Okay. I mean, I think he's generally pretty trustworthy. I, I wouldn't worry too much, is what I'd say. Yeah. So they're obviously looking for more channels, you know, to do the uh, Overwatch League on. And, you know, having it on Twitch is kind of hard to sell to, you know, possible competitors of Twitch when it's just sitting yeah. there, you know, looking pretty on Twitch, right? One thing I'll say that I think is complicated that is worth noting when you get into these situations is that we are entering a very... Uh, unprecedented time in esports in regards to content and content marketing because the traditional model for selling content in the past was sort of for TV stations was that people would visit a TV station because your program drove people to your particular station. So, you know, you would have NBC and ABC fight over certain NFL programming because if you had an NFL game on a particular day, that would drive people to your network. And The goal, I think, for organizations going forward is eventually to get that same level of, 
uh, content payment for things like esports programs, where whether it be a Twitch, a YouTube, a Facebook, and not Facebook has been trying to pump up their streaming game. The idea is to get that same level of payment. It's complicated in online gaming, though, because Twitch has such an advantage for being the first one in the door where, you know, essentially Twitch can still sort of ready the argument and go, well, we don't want to pay you quite as much as that because unlike the standard setup here, many people only get their gaming content via Twitch. It'd be as if you had a satellite plan that only had NBC and a cable plan that only had ABC and then like a lot of people only had satellites. So these things are a little bit complicated. I'm glad that Overwatch is on Twitch because it clearly does have the largest platform in terms of active current gaming community people. I'd say that in the future, things like Facebook and YouTube can definitely be competitive. But I'm happy it's on Twitch, but I wouldn't be surprised if into the future there's a scenario where you don't get OWL or you don't get, say, a different esports program that decides not to go on Twitch. We've had that a few instances already. So Mm -hmm. just be aware that whether it be Overwatch or something else, the idea that something won't be on Twitch at some point isn't something you should be too shocked by because this is going to be a transitionary period for content, I feel like. And one of the things that you have to note is that the only thing you'd be lacking without Twitch is Twitch emotes. You'll probably still, I mean, if it's online, probably still going to have a chat, probably well, going to be just as good of a, of a, of a broadcast, I'd say. You don't, have the, you don't have that sense of community, maybe, but you are also helping add more plenty, money to this league, to players, to pretty much everybody involved, right? So it should be in theory, a better product at the end of the day, but you just wouldn't have that same site that you're used to, I guess. Well, I, I, I mean, you're, the, the biggest thing that you'd be missing if you weren't on Twitch is really just the Twitch community, just the, sure. you know, just the, the eyes and the ranking system on, on Twitch. You know, like if you're, when there's a huge esport event, organically you get, I don't even know how, what percentage of that, that, you know, 200,000 or 300, you know, when there's huge esport events, how much of that actually just comes because it's number one on the entire site. And you were, you're getting that type of, um, uh, just, you just, just, uh, um, you know, placement in terms of the site. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing that they offer. And that's a huge thing. I mean, with how many people are concurrently watching on Twitch every, you know, every second, even like this late at night, um, so it's, it's super important to try to, you know, max that out because, you know, if we're on MLG, like just right now, MLG.TV, right? I, I bet the numbers were a quarter of what it will probably would be yeah. on Twitch. And that has a lot to do with, there's just not these people that come across it. One thing I would say here though, is that we don't really know what the numbers are, obviously because of the way but... it was set up. But I would say if you look at even just interaction metrics, like what we're seeing on Reddit, where you have you know a billion comments for the preseason, it's a very good sign. It means that there were a lot of people watching this, even not yeah. being on Twitch. So yeah. it does bode fairly well for uh, the premiere if it is, in fact, on Twitch uh, come January, because I would feel like you would get all those viewers and more. I, I don't think it just the hype chain or hype train would stop at the preseason i think if anything it would intensify at least for the first few weeks of uh, okay yeah that's season fair. One. a little bit of a build-up okay i can see that yeah that'd be kind of cool uh you know one thing they didn't have in the very beginning of day one was chat and i was like come on dude i mean you, you gotta at least have chat you know you don't have to show us how many viewers there are but if we can just sit there and just watch without chatting that you know chat is a huge thing that you have to have you know just to kind of generate hype and and just have some type of interaction, right? So I was gl- happy to see that they they eventually turned it on, and you know they kept it on obviously in day two. Uh, so that was cool. You know, it was definitely a good experience. Um, but let's talk about the stage, man. 
that stage is sweet. Like the entire stage is this giant LED, basically, you know, with obviously different sections and things like that. But um, it's like BlizzCon StarCraft II stage, but next level, you know, like it w even better than that. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think of it? So my favorite part was that I think Hastro tweeted that, uh, this, so this is what my $20 million helped build. <laughs> Seriously, that, man. Dude, that, that stage is insane. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if uh, they showed this on like the, the broadcast, but when you're there, every transition between maps, mm -hmm. they just play like a, a huge widescreen version of the map on all of the yep. stage. And it's just, it's like breathtaking. It's, it's such a cool experience. And I think that, um, I know you, you had concerns that you brought up earlier and we'll probably discuss them later in the show, but we like, I think that the the live viewing experience has actually been quite good. Other than the fact that you're probably sitting there, if you if you want to watch all the matches, it's probably around seven, six, seven hours. Yeah, but that's a ton. I yeah. thought the I thought the, the live viewing experience from dipping in and out of there has been really sick. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's definitely great. What, ZP, that was uh, I mean, man. the the production stuff. Uh, I mean, what more you could say? It's an incredibly good looking set. I would say yeah. it's easily on par with some of the other really high end productions we've seen, like say. Uh, e-league uh, for what you have there but i would actually put it a step above just because they were able to specialize specifically in overwatch and put together a lot of assets and graphics that correspond to team colors and all the rest and this is where the fact that you do have these geolocalized teams that have very definitive uh, graphic profiles and what they were pushing for the league as opposed to sort of the random mishmash of different branding that you get from endemics does play pretty well into blizzard's favor here because it, of course as a team signing up for the league you have to pick a color scheme you have to pick everything else and you can't pick something that someone else already has so there's a lot to be said in the setup here in terms of team branding that actually made a lot of things for the stage production look as good as it did it was a multi-part yeah. process there it's easy to underrate all that but the part where you come in you go oh this team's color is yellow this team's color is red and now we can make one side of the stage yellow and the other side red that's stuff that you can't always do with a more traditional esports setup. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. so flexible. Like you literally can program it to do whatever you want. And, um, you know, like you said with the maps, so they, they showed a lot of it today. You know, I noticed it a few times last time, but today, like we got a good look at it, like for, you know, Anubis and Dorado and things like that. Uh, maybe we can, add another 20 million and just like completely encase the, the arena <laughs> like so that we feel like we're IMAX actually in the map like all around us that'd be freaking amazing no but it it, it is pretty um, like it just like my jaw dropped uh at first you know i just saw the colors i'm just like oh that's all the that's all the stages and then all of a sudden yeah. I went to the map and it was just like oh damn that's like and oh. i imagine i imagine they have even more plan because you know they have yeah. that top-down mini-map view maybe they do something with that on one of the side panels yeah They've, yeah like they put like giant portraits of the heroes and like their old charge and their health and everything like that on, mm -hmm. on uh, both sides of the, of the screen. So, you know, who knows really? Like, I think the sky's the limit because it's such a huge stage, but I don't know. Yeah. There's just potential to be amazing. Dude, they could even have just like almost like the little character portraits with who has ultimates, maybe like above yeah. the actual people, like on the stage. Oh no, they actually do have that. Do they have that? I didn't even see yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. It's like, it's like these huge, uh, like vertical, I would say, uh, oh, really? portraits of of the characters they have the ults they have the the health uh oh damn like the, that's awesome you know, the, yeah i didn't, the I didn't fire meter. That. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool uh so some changes to the spectator too you know just some um you know things that i think were upgraded or or maybe cleaned up a little bit from world cup uh i would say the first thing with the spectator itself is the outline there's an actual outline or stroke that's around the health bar 
which is really cool because I think the health bar was one of the things that was very hard to see or sometimes confusing because it was all the same color. It was white and, you know, everybody's health bar was white and, and, and it's, you know, one of the difficult things to make out. So now at least you know what team, like if it's the blue team, then it's like a blue outline. If it's a white team, it's white. Uh, I, I noticed that like instantly. So that was actually a nice touch. What'd you guys think? I was going to let Harsh say, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in general, like I said, uh, going back to it, I mean, production across the board, production level has been pretty high uh, with it, minus uh, yeah. complexity striking at the very end of today's stream. But yeah, I, <laughs> striking God. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, yeah. Uh, actually, that entire bug could have happened at a better time in Overwatch, where it just happens yeah. right when they added the hero that hacks, and it's the hero that hacks that's causing the crashes. <laughs> I, oh there, there is actually some incredible beam synergy there. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything you could say about the production other than it was great. Uh, the only thing I'd probably say, and I know it's a work in progress and has continually been, is that mm -hmm. I think that I would like to see more uh, detailed stats in terms of what's going on. I don't mm -hmm. think the stats game is really there just yet, but that's also one of the most complicated parts that will be worked on over time. Yep. So I guess the thing I'd add is that I think that the spectator client is definitely a huge improvement over what used to uh, what we used to have, essentially. The one thing I'd say is that I think that um, there still needs to be a bit more separation between specific colors, like I'd say like white and yellow yeah. or uh, blue and white. Even like things like uh, having Mayhem play on Anubis with their home color, where it's, it's just yellow on yellow. I think that the, I mean, one of the suggestions that I actually tweeted, which isn't as helpful of a, of a <laughs> forum for actually giving advice, but I, I think that they should have like a night and a day mode for every map. I agree. And it might, mm -hmm. it might make you know, spectating specific colors easier and they could choose it. And it would only really affect the spectators. It wouldn't do anything in-game, right? So it should be a better experience for everybody, I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's even one of the things I might have mentioned in like my laundry list to Jason after World Cup. It's like lighting, right? Like I, I it was this one had a little bit more to do with just the strokes around the characters generally, which by the way, I think might be a tiny bit thinner and, and, and it's like been like a huge improvement from uh you know what I saw before. I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm just like used to it. But yeah, I think the lighting is huge because I, I think a lot of the issues, you know, at least with the white and and just having to like create even more outlines and things like that is just because it's shaded, you know, in a lot of areas on the maps, you know, especially like Anubis with, you know, just like where it's covered a little bit and, you know, it's like a sunny map. Right. Um, and even like Dorado and things like that. So if they could change the lighting, you know, for us and where we can just see the brighter colors, I think that would definitely help. Uh, some of the text I think probably needs to, you know, be looked at too. Just, you know, I think there's one in particular, like the time, Purple. you know, yeah. Well, just oh, the time. time. It's just like so hard to read when it's like blue and, and, um, you know, it has a stroke around it too. So I mean, it's a little things, you know, things that easily are, I'm sure like super easy to change. Um, the, the one thing I'd say is that, uh, for the gladiators, uh, having the gladiators eliminations, uh, in purple is really bad because the way encoding works, for streams where I'm sure it looked fine if you were in person watching live feed, but as soon as you put any form of compression to send it out to a stream, which of course you have to do the broadcast if it's yeah. on anything other than uh, you know traditional uh, TV, the issue that you're going to run into is that anything on the spectrum of reds, in which case uh, like that shade from uh, Gladiators like is very close to red, is going to be very difficult to read. But yeah. it's actually worse because it's an even like dimmer shade of red. So read red like. Like what do you mean? Well, no, it's purple, yeah, but like yeah. <laughs> look at the color wheel. Like it's very okay. Like, the the purple. red portion of the okay purple. I get. I gotcha. Right. Well, purple is just close to red. It's just how like encoders work. Mm -hmm. So the purple was incredibly 
unclear the read where I was just sitting like slightly back. And I know I'm not a guy with the best vision, but I'm looking at that and going, wow, that is yeah. really hard to read the text when a purple name is eliminated. I, I think it's one of those things where you don't actually have to use the same um, exact color. You know, like as long as it's kind of green, you, you can make it a little brighter. You know, everything can be just like a tiny bit brighter and more readable. And then people, we know what, who it is. Like as long as it's the same color, I think it's fine. So right now they're using exact. So when the Valiant was up there, oh my God, that green is like, you know, that green is that type of green that's supposed to be kind of hard to, to or it catches your eye, but it's hard to actually focus on, you know, that, that green, right? So um, I think that's maybe something to look at. One of the coolest things though, I have to say that they added and, I mean, thank God Widow is in the metagame, right? Because we got the slow-mo highlights, which were probably one of the most, the coolest things I, I saw um, after day one when they were showing like a recap of the day, you know, and seeing some of those awesome uh, Widow moments. So uh, that was something, I don't think, we didn't see a slow-mo highlight in World Cup, right? That is this something new? Like, so, uh, No, we, we did see. Uh, yeah. Did we see it like a lot though? Like I, so maybe only like a did, couple of times, right? A handful of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What they did, I think, is they added something to the client where um, in-game you can, like... I, I don't know the, the specifics because, obviously, I'm not a spectator or mm -hmm. an observer, rather. But I think you can, like, click on a specific kill in the kill feed and, like, the, the game has, like, a specific algorithm that lets you spectate in, like, the best way they'd put it in slow-mo. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong about that and maybe it's actually a manual thing. But from what was described to me, I think that's what, the, what it was, which is... Oh, it's been really cool so far. We've seen like really cool pulse bombs. We've seen uh, cool widow, you know, headshots. So I'm definitely happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I think it's added a, a really cool element to uh, you know just the replay system and, and just entertainment value, right? Like we don't catch those. You know, sometimes those things just happen so fast that you know it, that kind of slow mo, then speed up slow mo. That's just like really really cool effects. Um, okay, the desk. What do you guys think about just you know talent and how they're doing it? Four man desk. Obviously, Chris being the host the whole time, and then a rotation of everybody else, whether they're casting or they're on the floor, and you know, like with Zoe. Well, I know like this it? isn't the, the this isn't the end of the the talent. I'm sure more people are going to be brought into Overwatch League, and it's going to be mm -hmm. a, you know a really sick venture. But you know, so far they've they have good talent. They've uh, been rotating people in and out. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, hope to see ZP there uh, in in January, but uh, yeah, I, I can't really complain that they got really good guys there. Uh, also, my boys Sideshow and Bren, plug to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as far as dust goes, it's really interesting to see uh, how the problem has been tackled over time with how to make a desk segment really impactful while. Uh, you know, keeping it as quick as possible. And part of that is just, I think there has been a better job being done over time with just mixing in replays on the desk and, you know, keeping pe people visually stimulated. Because one of the things yeah. you want to avoid when you're doing uh, desk work is that you don't want to have a situation where just over talk forever and there's not like rhyme or reason and you're stuck filling. I, I think uh, so far uh, it's been a pretty good job of just keeping things uh, focused and uh, mm -hmm. on target. Yeah, I think Chris has been doing an awesome job too. Like He's we've a great been, host. We've been very blessed with just our hosts. I mean, Alex did an amazing job too. You know, leading up to this, and and Chris, uh, I think is just like a million times better than obviously when he was at Contenders, being you know almost doing it for the first time. Really, like it maybe maybe it's the second time then, but uh, but this time I, I just I don't know. It, it stood out to me, and that's like a big deal when your host stands out to you. So. Know, He's really like a, I'd say like a, a playful guy. It's it's like yeah, it makes the segment awesome. entertaining. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. And he 
just sounds great too. So that helps, of course. Uh, let's get into the matches though. We just kind of dig dig into some of these preseason games, and I could let's just start off like with a question: Do you think everybody's playing at like? Do, are they playing their hardest? So. The way I've been describing it is I think everybody's playing at 100%, but they're not playing at 110%, you know? Whereas in the regular season, you're going to see people going all the way out. But, like, I, I'll definitely say this. Everybody here wants to win the preseason. It's their first impression amongst the fans. Mm -hmm. Like, even though, yes, these matches don't mean anything, they do, you know, people are going to meme about them. They're going to be talking about them. Like, I think everybody here is trying, and nobody here is really, um, you know, saying, I don't really care. Now, at the end of the day, are they doing everything that they can to win? Probably not. And, you know, there is that rule, I think, that people have spoken about on the desk where you do have to play every every player on your team. So maybe not every team is going to be able to play their best roster all the time. But so, so, so far... So if you don't mind explaining that, I, I myself was just like, you know, I, I just learned that too. And I think there's probably yeah. a lot of other people that don't know this rule. So what exactly is this rule where you have to play everybody? So I believe every single person on your roster that is eligible to play and that is, you know, in the United States and able to play has to play one match between their two preseason games. Now, I think that they don't have to exactly play every match or they don't have to play in every series because I know Numlock didn't come out to play in our series against Valiant. And I know that XQC, maybe I missed it because I wasn't I wasn't uh, watching all of the games uh, for field today, but I, I don't think he played today against um, Outlaws. And so I believe that they just have to play once in in the the two one of their two games. Okay, all right. I, I think that's uh yeah definitely a good clarification because um yeah I didn't I didn't realize they had to do that. It's kind of I guess it's cool that they have to do it. I mean definitely you have to make roster decisions based on that too. So uh, is that yeah. going to be a rule during regular season too? Or no, oh, no, there's no way. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, man, it's like I, had, I knew nothing about this. Crazy. <laughs> that, that would be a ridiculous rule where just yeah. like 12 you know, guys, I understand, you got to all play. <laughs> I understand that you have Tom Brady on your roster, but you do have uh, that backup uh, that's saying there. So if you could just bench Tom Brady for the first <laughs> he quarter, he got traded, of this game. dude. I don't even know who the backup is now. Yeah, actually, I, I was it's... trying to think of that because I was going to say, it's like, you just have to put a Jimmy G for a little bit. It's like, well, no, <laughs> you can't do that anymore. But <laughs> it's fine. We, we've established over time that Tom Brady is an immortal vampire who will <laughs> be destroying the New York Jets until he's at least 55. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay well let's get into the matches so uh san francisco shock your team ended up playing uh the florida mayhem in the first uh match of the preseason you guys fared really well ended up winning 3-1 actually won the first three games and then you decided yeah it would just be nice let's give them one game at the very end there <laughs> no but uh yeah so tell us a little bit about that like um do you guys feel super confident going into it and um yeah i mean just what happened there so i think two things that you have to know is that first of all, Florida actually got here about a week ago, I would say. So they've been, they've been doing what they can with that week, but uh, they have okay. gotten here a week ago. The second thing is that we actually, because we weren't supposed to play that match, that actually wasn't our map pool. So we were actually prepping for a different oh, set of maps entirely. Wow. Okay. And, and basically we were confirmed to play them, I think two days before. So we had to, we had to, you know, buckle down and really prep for, for that match as well. So, um, Definitely not the best circumstances for either team, but I think that given what you saw, like we we were able to adapt and do pretty well. And uh, mm -hmm. even though they weren't our maps, we you know came out on top. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one person that stood out to me, like for sure, even just all of day one was Baby Bay. I think he was playing yeah. great, especially on the first match. He was, I felt, I felt like he was on fire. His widow was you know making huge impacts. 
on on uh, some uh, most like actually a couple of the maps, and then even McCree. You know, you'd just be cleaning up with McCree on on the end of some maps. So uh, yeah, I mean, I've always known about Baby Bay, but I would say this is the first time I was just like my eyes were like, wow, he's actually really good. So from his days on Kangarna, I'd always known that he was a really talented player, but I didn't know just exactly what his impact was in game. Yeah. This guy is like kind of our he's kind of our main shot caller. Him alongside Dak are pretty much the two most vocal people on our team. He's really good at like being the alpha, stepping up and, and telling everybody what they need to be doing, uh, what heroes we need to be playing, et cetera, et cetera. And he's really grown into that team mentality where he understands, you know, how our team should be playing to win rather than how he should be, you know, what resources he should be getting, right? Right. So He's really matured in that sense, and I think that he's been a really good asset for our team, and, you know, everybody's been rallying around uh, him. You know, actually, one of the things that I think Sleepy said uh, the other day, and I want to talk about him as well, but Sleepy basically said, um, because the team, you know, we have a kind of a, a big mix of players. They didn't all get along at first, and yesterday, or, yeah, I believe it was yesterday, Sleepy was like, hey, man, we actually should have just been playing the way you wanted us to play this entire time. I'm glad we, <laughs> you know, got that into our head. So, you know, these guys have, I think, figured it out, and we're going to try and, and work that combination in. Uh, Sleepy, another guy that I think people were mentioning on, on social media, played really well. He was kind of the quiet uh, quiet carry of our team, I would say. You know, he's, he's fragging out with that Zenyatta, and hope to see more of that. So one thing I note here, too, and this is more on a mayhem note, but I knew that series was going to be good for Shock as soon as we saw logics having the spread out and go to other heroes and it's not yeah. that he was playing a bad widow by any means but if you want to talk about areas of strength putting logics in a widow v widow duel against baby bay who's also really good at widow is a very nice situation to be in as shock when if you you know you look at the mo for misfits is that when they crush teams when they look their strongest uh, when they looked really good in contenders they did it when logics was just playing unworldly good on tracer and it's not taking away from how Logix plays on other heroes, but if there is you know, a list of standard deviations where how good is Logix relative to the average player, his Tracer, when Misfits was doing well, was much, much higher than any other yeah. hero he had. So any time right now Misfits or now Mayhem has to run Logix on something other than Tracer, they're taking a big hit from what really has been their only established way of winning games with this roster. Because of course, if you look back before the roster shuffle that took out reinforce for a uh, swoosh and uh, Nevix for logics, they weren't doing very well with their old roster. And the biggest change that they had, which suddenly propelled them to being a better team again, was that they had a shutdown tracer. So now we're in a meta where you can't really run tracer all the time, the way that you could, previously and also frankly people have learned the deal with tracer better so you can't one tricker to that degree and so far anytime misfits or mayhem has had to go out and now run well it's really mostly misfits but now of course we have a little bit of mayhem data has had to go out and run without a tracer it doesn't really work out well for them so basically what i'd say is that at misfits best logic like you said you know logic was that shutdown tracer he was having ridiculous statistics he was playing really well throughout all of contenders online um i guess the issue is that logics isn't playing to what he's expected to be playing of and i mean the problem with that is obviously what we expect logics to be is you know some ungodly tracer right <laughs> right yeah so i mean definitely definitely an issue for them we'll see how it how it shapes up i think people always were saying that um logics had land jitters whether or not that's the case i can't really say for sure but he's gonna have you know 40 games to work work out uh 
work that out if that is the case, right? So, yeah, I think he can improve. Uh, it depends on how the meta looks and what what's going to go on with uh, the rules on Mayhem. Yeah, I mean, and just to clarify real quick here, I'm not hating on Logic, because I think Logic has still been playing really well. I think, it, as you say, Harsh, I think it's unreasonable to expect a player to play like, you know, a god-crushing peasant in every single game. <laughs> the issue is that Misfits has been, and now uh, Mayhem, they've been very, well, the thing is, what I'm talking about, most yeah. of the history I'm drawing yeah. on is when yeah. they were Misfits, so that's still accurate. They are Mayhem but anyways, th- when you look at them, they've just been very inconsistent across the board at the rest of the roles where they've, because they've made fundamental errors in alt economy in basically every game, because certain players will show up and then take a map off, it feels like they had to rely on that consistent rock and logics and to another degree, uh, Manitin at times yeah. where you had like Monster mm-hmm. Diva games to yeah. sort of pull them through otherwise rough situations. And the reality is they're going to have to dig into the other players that aren't always playing up to the level that they should be and make that more even so you're not relying on a one particular player to just play ungodly good to win games because that's not sustainable especially over a full season well i mean it leads back to the fact that they have six players you know it's like you know when you said logic had to go to widow well you know they've tried zeb at widow before in the past you know and they just don't have a widow specialist so they're in this position that you know most teams were in months ago. You know, leading in the contenders or even before that, where it's just like you know you don't have the best players in the world playing their thing. So as long as you know you have this um, very versatile team, which was always how we've described misfits, then you know you could compete. But now you know we've got twelve man rosters now. Now we've got people subbing in between games, and now you're going to get completely um, uh, exposed. You know, if you don't have that, and a six-man team right now is is going to be exposed, like at week to week. So, um, really worried about the Florida Mayhem, especially because I'm I'm in Florida, so I'm gonna be like, this is the team I'm gonna be watching. You know, like so I'm hoping like mid-season they they definitely pick up some. You know, they they realize what the holes are, and they make some good pickups. But um, right now, it's not looking good, man. And, and I don't even think it's necessarily just like they're disappointing. They're just not built for Overwatch League. Well, that's exactly it, right? Is that the other issue that you have, and it goes back to the point we made earlier about coaching and mid-season adjustments, you don't exactly have a lot of pieces to adjust with for misfits, which means that their ability to adapt to other teams is going to be poor, and the ability for other teams to game plan around them and know exactly what they're going to be seeing on any given map is going to be very high. So as a general rule... Mayhem is not well positioned for OWL right now, and unless they can just channel immense performances out of every single player, which, while possible, is fairly unlikely, I think it's going to be very rough for them until you get to a midseason signing window where they can add in players that will allow them to shore up some holes and allow them to be less predictable than how they are right now. And I think if you, well, I think if you have to, if you have to add in kind of a saving grace to this team, it does have to be that even though I think Tavik under. Uh, underperformed yesterday to an extent. I mean, I, I don't really think his Genji was going off as well as it used to. Um, I, th- I think like the saving grace here is that Tvik is one of the most flexible players in the game. Does have like, a very expansive hero pool, and maybe that can be kind of their their way back into this this season of Overwatch League. Yeah, I, I would say the issue there though is that 
I think in early Overwatch, being a generalist that could play really well was very valuable. But now we've hit the era where people are approaching many thousands of hours of played inside the game, and people who have put more of a focus on one facet of the game have started to hit like some very truly transcendent levels of play. So the bar has been raised here where I don't even think it's necessarily an issue where, well, is Tavik playing less so that or playing less good than he used to? I don't think that's the issue at all. I think the issue is, is that you have players that have come in that have just grinded out one individual facet Overwatch. Like they've grinded out this one area, you know, whether it be they've played a billion hours of Genji or they've played a million hours on Tracer or, you know, they've gone into the soldier route, you know, they went uh, full Defran, whatever it might be. You have these players that, yeah, I didn't realize that save it could be taken so many different ways. But uh, <laughs> okay. the point is, is that generalists are not necessarily rewarded in Overwatch. Versatility is not necessarily rewarded in Overwatch. Being it's, damn good in one role, that's rewarded in Overwatch, at least on the competitive level. It is, but I have a feeling that it, it's going to advance past that too. And we saw a little bit of that actually against uh, with Dallas and Houston today. We saw Dallas have to flex into a, a weird type of comp right with timing playing winston you know like how many times have we seen that and so that's that's the kind of thing where tavik would be incredibly valuable um but to your point you know you still have to be like exceptionally well good at one of the roles and then just have that ability to be able to flex you know in case that you guys do need it for you know half a map or something like that to just to finish out a match so i think i think his talent his uh toolkit is still very very valuable it's just, you know, I think the team's just not built well around. I don't know if Tavik, you know, that type of player, that versatile player, really should be the carry superstar type of player. And that's that's kind of how we, we talk about Tavik. And that's kind of like how the community talks about Tavik. And I just don't know if that's really his role. Like, I don't know if that's really the right way that, or the, the right position he should be on a team. Maybe he should be more of like... You know the the support role, you know, or, or more of a support player, not a support, you know, meaning like healer, but more of like a you know a secondary. What time it was done? Yeah, what's yeah, kind of what time it was done. I mean, he stepped back a little bit, and you know, it's been amazing for him. You know, like lots of stress effect has taken so much pressure off of him, and then it's allowed the entire team, I think, to evolve even 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 to a higher point. And if you want well, to draw parallels, I would say that people were affecting, uh, expecting rather, a logics to be that that effect for for Tvik. Mm -hmm. But I would say that Tvik has, does have a better um you know kind of resume on those on those projectile heroes than, than Taimu does. So his job in theory should be easier. Uh, mm -hmm. but we just need to make sure that lo logics can perform to that effect level. Okay. Yeah, and just uh, to be clear, uh so my previous statement wasn't misinterpreted in any way. I'm not saying you need to be a good one trick. I'm saying you need to have a field of focus that's Fairly narrow, like a good hero pool of like three to four heroes that you're playing at a really exceptional level. The issue that Tavik has had in recent times is that he's had to bounce all around where he's gone projectile end of the spectrum. He was playing a lot of hit scan prior to Logic joining the team. And he even uh, said, you know, wow, going back to Genji has been rough because I wasn't playing Genji for, you know, such a long time. So it's difficult to bounce back and forth between the full spectrum of DPS. It's even harder to reliably go from like dps to flex depending on it it's not it's that's impossible to do these things but mm -hmm. as of right now it's more likely for someone to succeed and have a bigger impact on the game if they're a god at say two to three heroes versus 80 yeah. percent on you know six to eight right right 
Okay, well, why don't we move on? We spent a lot of time on that first one. So L.A. Valiant, uh, this is a great, actually. This is a really, really good series. I felt like you guys were very evenly matched. Um, L.A. ended up taking it in the tiebreaker, ended up 3-2. But, um, but I, I, I thought it was really great. You guys went back and forth. Uh, what did you think of this match, Harsha? So I will say that I think at the end of the day, the fault on this one falls on myself and uh, Brad and Legit for what ended up happening is we had to play a tiebreaker on, on Lee Jong. We haven't actually prepped for that map in about two weeks, uh, so okay. well, I mean, I mean, we had the we had another pool to focus on and, and just kind of uh, ignored Lee Jong, and it ended up biting us in the ass. You know, <laughs> the guys kind of they we, we were running stuff that I'm not sure we would have run uh, this week if we were to you know to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'll say though is that I think you could kind of see the, the signs of fatigue settling in. Yeah. We kind of through the Junkertown match we. Had, we were in a good position on new money as well, but couldn't capitalize. And so, um, you know, it was a really great match. Valiant's going to be a very good team this season. But I, I definitely think that we're going to be, you know, we're going to look way better next time we, the two of us play. Mm-hmm. I'd say from Valiant, it's interesting to see them kind of uh, fix some of their DPS woes, where mm-hmm. the reality is that I would say if anything was really hurting uh, Immortals uh, when they were Immortals, of course, now Valiant. Uh, in previous outings is that I don't think Silk Thread, or sorry, uh, not Silk Thread, but I don't think Grim Reality and Agilities were playing up to their usual level, uh, especially in the latter parts of that. I, I understand Immortals was trying a lot of things out, but I don't think you could say enough about the breath of fresh air that Silk Thread was for the team, where yes. Silk Thread is a consistent DPS carry of the likes that Immortals, now Valiant, has never had in the past, right? I think they had it when Agilities is like playing out of his mind, but Agilities definitely regressed a little bit towards the end. So I think that is the biggest upgrade for me when I look yeah. at uh, the Valiant side of things. So what I noticed about Silk Thread is I'd say he's a really intelligent player just from watching that match. Um, you know, the guy was deciding he, at some point he was like, yeah, I'm not going to be uh, playing Overwatch professionally. I'm actually going to college. Maybe that's why he's, you know, such a big brain. But I was watching his soldiery. The, the guy knew exactly when to, to ultimate. <laughs> You know how how he should be using it, uh, where he should be most effective, and you know seeing that kind of that patience and that intelligence. Um, you know, I thought it was really impressive, uh, especially for a guy who's never actually played on a stage like this, as far as I know. Yeah, he was saying he was so nervous during the first match that he was like literally shaking on stage. So it was actually <laughs> really cool to um, you know see him perform. And yeah, that thing about Silk Thread is like you know sometimes when we talk about soon and talk about agilities and even Grim to an extent, you know we. We kind of like reminisce, you know, about like how they are. And sometimes that affects actually how we judge them even now. And the thing about Silk Thread is like he's good like right now. You know, like Silk Thread, even just like on where he is in the ladder and just like even if you measure that to some extent. I mean, he's at the top of the ladder. I mean, there's a reason why he's at the top of the ladder too. And so his his abilities right now, I feel like are more current, you know, like and you can measure that like just by looking at him. Where the other well, guys, I, I, I have a hard time sometimes, to be honest. Like, I have a hard time sometimes when I see Soon and really not seeing the old Soon, you know, and, and just how amazing he used to be, you know, compared to, you know, he's still good. He's still great. It's just like before, he was relatively, you know, just way above everybody, right? So, so I, well, from, when you're on top, I mean, the key thing I'd say for Silk Thread is that really you have to get to the down and nitty gritty to be number one the ladder which is you add steve-o to your friends list and you see when he's queuing and then when he's not when when he's in queue you don't queue and then afterwards you're fine like you protect your yeah 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 i actually that actually could be a thing i don't know i mean these are strategies people would it's ladder meta right like steve-o is heavily involved in ladder meta (laughs) 
there's legit legitimately a meta for those sorts of things. But uh, other than that, I mean, look, you don't get to be top of the ladder without having some level of mechanics and consistency that most other players don't have. Yeah. Period. One thing I'd say about Soon in particular, I think he's at is that he's kind of taken that that other uh, role we've been talking about with you know uh, Timo and uh, with Vic. Uh, mm-hmm. In that he's more of a like a sort of um, supportive tracer, and, and by the, by that I mean he kind of plays around his team. You know, takes the orb, uh, duels the other tracer, makes sure they don't actually do anything to his backline. And to that extent, he's actually I think he's been doing a good job, but he's definitely not going to be as flashy. He's not going to be getting as many kills. He's not going to look like effect basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one: Seoul versus Shanghai. Uh, so this one, I, I don't think anybody was surprised that uh, you know Seoul ended up sweeping them four uh, zero, but we did see some, you know, definitely got a good look at the Shanghai team and just what kind of talent they have on there. Uh, in, in particular, I think you know Dia had some amazing moments, right? Uh, just with with you know some of his widow plays and 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 then Roshan, I think was just like super solid for his team. But um, any other people really stand out? I mean, soul, the Soul team we know re- so well, right? I don't think we need to talk about just the superstars on the Soul team. But these guys um, on, on Soul, I'm I'm actually yeah. really happy. People like uh, Fleta, Munchkin. Yep. Uh, these guys are you know incre- Wikid as well. Although Wikid probably didn't have had as hard of a time as as the other two. Mm-hmm. Fleta literally had a meme in Korea where he was. They call it one v eleven in every game because <laughs> seriously, his, his, oh, he was man. on he was on he was on flash left, which just Season in, season out, the worst team in Apex, and you know finally gets his chance to play on a on a on a great team, and he does work. And uh, same thing with Munchkin, although definitely not to the the one v eleven extent. He's he's a really great player. Didn't have much luck finding team, especially yeah. kind of because of his his shadier past, I would say. Uh, but you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. the guy definitely he was able to you know find his role, and he's going to be a big part of this team. And we saw Wikid also having those highlights. So. Uh, I'm really glad for these guys. Uh, they're going to have an incredible season. So, the other thing I'd say... Oh, yeah, yeah go ahead, actually. Oh, no, no, I've, I thought you were fishing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, continue to go ahead. Because the other thing I was going to say is that this is uh, one game I have to go uh, catch up on the VOD on because I uh, mm-hmm. got bogged down in doing errands uh, prior to my upcoming trip. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is one where... I mean, it was a 4-0, but it, there were really competitive moments. So it, it was uh, closer than 4-0, let's just put it that way. One thing I'd say is that... I think probably D is quite a low sense uh, player because from what I was watching, his tracking on on Tracer looked uh, it it didn't look very good to me. But then when he when he moved onto that widow, he was having like really high moments. So yeah, um, definitely a talented player. And when when they moved undead to that Tracer and they moved uh, mm-hmm. D away from it, they were looking pretty good. Um, I think Tyrong said this earlier, and you just uh, also you know uh, brought it up. Their tank line is pretty good on Shanghai. You know, people really rag on this team because they didn't pick up any of the MY players or miraculous younger youngsters who were, were actually the best team in China and recently disbanded. But um, you know, they should they should at least see some success if they're able to build on this tank line. And I think that they could be decent. Although I think that you know, if you pick up MY, you probably have a better roster than this one. If they could just take MY's DPS like players and their support players, <laughs> they'd be sick. They'd be like disgustingly sick. So, um, yeah, we'll see how this Shanghai team ends up. Uh, how, what, how many players do they have right now? They have uh, eight. I oh, eight. Okay, so they still have some room. I mean, obviously, those MY players are free agents right now. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. They have to wait a little bit of time until they could get picked up. But yeah, so Soul 4 0, not, no surprise there. Uh, the first match today. Uh, was a an upset. So we actually had the Gladiator, LA Gladiators in the London Spitfire, and the Gladiators ended up winning in a tiebreaker, winning three two. 
uh, you know, our boys Surefor, just Surefor and, you know, Hydration, those guys ended up uh, playing super well. I mean, they, they played a very clean ser series, I have to say. I mean, you know, like nobody expected them to, to actually beat the Spitfire, given that, you know, these are Apex champions, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't... One thing. Yeah, anyways, go ahead. I think well, the issue with uh, today, at least the first two matches, is that these are the matches probably most adversely affected by the rule to swap people in and out in preseason. So oh, I think it's okay. difficult to judge too much on this. I mean, obviously, LA Gladiators looked better than I think a lot of people gave them credit for. That much is yeah. true. Uh, the London Spitfire was definitely a tale of two teams between... Uh, you know, do you have Kongdu, uh, more Kongdu people playing or more GC Busan playing pe right. or people playing? So I don't really know. I feel like it wasn't really London's true form, but it was still a positive sign for LA, mm -hmm. I would yeah. say. It's a good storyline, so, at least, yeah. On one hand, I I think that um, I brought this up when I was, I was speaking to Doa actually earlier today, and I told him, I think that um, Gladiators actually have a chance of winning maps against uh, GC Busan because from scrims at least they they've been struggling against us. Whereas I would say uh, that that roster with Bergering and Rascal and the Kongdu guys and then uh, Nuss and Fury, um, actually Nuss might have been on Kongdu, but anyways, those guys looked actually really good and looked like they hadn't dropped a beat from uh, when they were playing in Apex. So I'm not really sure what's going on. Maybe Busan just isn't good in scrims and maybe they're. You know they weren't trying as hard as as they should be, or maybe you know you're right. And Gladiators is actually just way better than expected. But I think that you you give these guys time, and uh, they'll just you know these guys won Apex. Uh, don't think you need to worry too much. And yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, I think there's something to be said about uh, Bishop not playing um, the Kongdu roster despite going down two one. And maybe it has to do with the switching rules. Maybe it doesn't, but. Not really sure why he decided to stick with uh, GC for the last map. Yeah, I I'd be shocked if if this team doesn't you know take a after like a few weeks or maybe even maybe even before regular season starts they don't figure it out. You know they it is two separate teams having to join together and figure yeah. out a chemistry. You know between the existing teams and you know I don't know if you look at it from the standpoint of the bases. Kongdu and you add yeah. GC or if it's GC and you add, you know, Kongdu. So uh, they, they definitely have to spend some time figuring that out. One thing that LA did do, you know, for, from a strategic standpoint, they broke out triple DPS a lot. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Harsha? Because, you know, Sherford was talking about that in the, the post interview. Um, I don't think it's going to be the last time you see DPS. And I don't, it's, it's obviously not, not going to be like that classic rogue style that we saw with, uh, you know, Tracer, Soldier, Genji. But I think that you will be able to see it. Uh, especially on maps like Junkertown, where it's kind of a map where you can oh, run a lot Junkertown. of different things. I actually oh, I like quad DPS on that one. No, so so people, people are talking about how RNG it is, but I actually really like that map, and I think that... Um, are you serious? Like a, I think really? it adds a pretty cool dynamic. Okay. I think uh, it's one of those... It does add a different, completely different strategy, right? Yeah, for sure. Look, yeah. okay... It, Technically, you are correct. It does add new looks from the <laughs> analysis point of view that are very Question interesting. Yeah. However, you are in the room with the players. You speak with the players, so you shouldn't know what I'm about to say it, that the players like groan and hate life right now when they play Junkertown because a lot Maybe of people, other players, our, our players love uh, it. Oh my goodness. Uh, really? Okay. You, but and, uh, and, it, I'm just saying like right now it's a controversial map in terms of sure. – <laughs> like what it causes playstyle wise, uh, mostly because of the pirate ship. But I mean, it, it's interesting, right? I think it's probably good for the game that you have maps that force uh, wildly differing playstyles. I don't know if uh, the pirate ship, its current, 
I mean, maybe people just learn to work around. Well, but it's we actually saw what gladiators yeah. did, and uh, they've been doing this for a while. But what they've done to to kind of counteract that that pirate ship is they just you know break it before it even begins. I thought I think we saw it at World Cup as well. Yeah. Essentially, they they just like went and hid, and then like kind of went through uh, the yeah. corridors. Yeah, and, and just mm-hmm. just hit in their spawn and literally killed them the second they came out. So right, but you know maybe. The one thing I'll note there is that that is correct if you are able to interrupt it from starting, but it's sort of like it's almost like you're watching a wrestling submission move in uh, video (laughs) game form where if they actually lock it in and get the first fight, you're just like, oh, God, what is going on here? Not that I'm saying it's a deal or anything else. It's just it's a gameplay flow that's interesting on the map that uh, and it's definitely. It's definitely one of those maps that's harder to retake, I would say. And so mm-hmm. once you do get rolling on that Bastion, it's really hard to kind of stop it until you get to third, I would say. Yeah. I I, I agree that... Uh, or I, I mean, I hope they do make more maps that are uh, similar to Junkertown in the, in the fact that the strategy is so different. You know, yeah. like, it really shows Overwatch and really the, um, you know, the, the potential of how broad Overwatch can be. Um, it's just, I don't know if I want this to be the exact perfect example, but at least we have something, you know, that's just cool. Uh, well, all right, I think, okay, go ahead. Yeah. One last thing I note there is that I think that's uh, one thing where over time as new heroes get added to the game, in an ideal world, I'd like to see stuff like Pirate Ship, like, work if the other team isn't fully prepared for it like things you pull out every now and then to catch a team off guard where you go that's a great swap to it but now they're gonna have to swap because so and so team has adapted not everyone their mother knows this is coming and we're going to run something where if we don't kill them the first push like we're doomed so i think for me that's kind of one of those things where yeah, it's, it's not perfect end of the day perfect. yeah it's just more heroes i think will kind of help with that situation so i will say that the other thing or i guess two things i'd like to add is that I don't think you'll see Pirate Ship every time. I think that teams have kind of figured out other things that they can do on that map. Whether or not they're, they're going to bring it out, who knows. But uh, I think other variants mm. of this composition, even okay. without Bastion, maybe, uh, might end up actually quite good. And uh, the other thing I wanted to add is that I thought that Horizon also... I didn't like that map at first, but it's turned out to be also another map where you can run pretty unique stuff. Not necessarily as much so as you know the, the whole Pirate Ship concept. But it's also a map where people people are bringing a lot, ah, bringing out a lot of different compositions yeah. and seeing success. We even saw Rascal today, and he's been doing this a lot. He he brought up the May and was really successful with it. You know, I talked to uh, people on Gladiators afterwards, and they said, "Yeah, we just didn't know what to do at all against it." So, um, definitely, I think that adding these kinds of maps where you see more unique strategies and more fun strategies, I'd say, uh, can only be good for the game. Yeah, I feel like Juggertown is still in that that new um, kind of uh, newlywed phase, right? Where it's just like, you know, there's this one strategy that works. It's always the first strategy that works and is, is just the one that everybody just adopts until somebody figures out how to break it and then somebody will, you know, um, uh, innovate a little bit further. And it might, maybe it's that. Maybe you drop Bastion and it's just like, you know, it's something completely different. And that even opens up new strategies after that. So it's still the beginning, I think, of, of just uh, with the meta for Junkertown. Uh, all right, so next match, Dallas versus Houston. So this is one that I think a lot of people were, uh, when they saw the schedules, looking forward to this because, uh, you know, the old Envious versus, you know, FNRGFE matchup that we saw in Contenders. And, uh, you know, it's pretty close in Contenders. And we wanted to kind of relive or have this rematch, you know, in OWL preseason. So that was what we saw today. And uh, this match was, you know, I think this one match really stood out because I think we saw the strategy of, 
Overwatch League, you know, and, and really just how the format is is allowing for the subs and what that really means when you actually have the pieces, the correct pieces to do it. Uh, we saw a lot of different changes, you know, like I, I think going from map to map, you know, we saw different lineups, we saw different types of, you know, um, uh, just just comps and things like that, and and we saw people, different people playing, you know, certain heroes. So uh, I felt like this was the perfect example of what we're, we'll probably see, you know, in, in the future. And this is just the beginning of it. What's y'all's thoughts on this series? Uh, well, Dallas Houston is just a case of. It's hard to say. Well, my thoughts are aside from I think Houston at least proved that it's going to be pretty competitive. But okay. both teams, because of the roster shifting and whatnot, it didn't really feel like either team was necessarily yeah. playing at 100%. So if, mm -hmm. of all the yeah. exhibition games, which these are, like it's preseason, it's exhibition, this felt like the most like an exhibition game, like what you would see in, say, like an NFL preseason game where neither team is really going all out and both teams are trying different stuff and making swaps that they probably normally mm. wouldn't. And I definitely agree with that. Although... I was wondering kind of why uh, Dallas decided not to bring out XQC. I thought, yeah. you know, if you're if you're going to do what they ended up doing, where, you know, they even had a map, like you said, where they put Taimu on the Winston. Um, thought maybe that might be part of the strategy, but I also I also think that um, they are trying to transition Taimu more of a like a kind of all around player, mm -hmm. so that he can kind of complement whatever the team's doing. Because I do know that just from talking to him and from from knowing the guy really well, he's one of those people that is pretty much like one of the biggest voices on that team. And I think that's probably why they wanted to keep him in and make sure that the composition um, included him in some form, even if it was on a monkey instead of a <laughs> Widowmaker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely would agree with ZP in that. I don't think this, I think this is the match that you draw the least from because I don't think that either team okay. look like they will throughout the rest of the season. Okay. Like I actually, I felt like the execution was bad. You know what I mean? Like it was a lot of sloppy play, and I mean, man, not so much sloppy as much as unpracticed type of yeah. situations. But yeah. I felt like the moves were, you know, something that we might see. You know, like in terms of like, yeah, we should sub him for this and this. Yeah, the whole XQC thing it was a little bit confusing, just because you know they had Coco playing, and they had, you know, obviously they had moments where even like time we were playing, and it's just like, dude, you got XQC like sitting on yeah. on the bench. I mean, that like that's going to be an improvement for that. So. um yeah, it, it was definitely interesting. What, did you pull anything from the Houston team? Like, what, anything stand out from how this? So, plays? just inside stuff, I guess I'd say is that Jake is absolutely one of the better uh, callers in NA, and that's that's something that he's not very much like touted for. But I know I know from from watching this guy, spectating him, and like working with him, that he's actually quite good at that. And I think that um. That's really an underrated asset on 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 this this Houston team. So having Jake and Linkser on this team, like one one amazing mechanical player, one player that's just like the heart and soul of the team. I think it's a really great combo, and I think that that's probably one of the one of the things they're going to explore a lot more come this season. Are you telling me that Jake likes to talk? I I personally <laughs> who would have guessed? Who knew that? Do not believe <laughs> who actually knew you. that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we love Jake. Yeah, and, no, and I, yeah, no, Jake's yeah. a very intelligent guy, but like the, the idea that he's also talkative in game really should yeah. not be. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not like you know downplay his play too. He played great. Yeah. I mean, he, play, he outplayed Taimu yeah. at times tonight, or like his, a lot his, of times tonight, actually. His Farah and his Junkrat looked really, really good. They're on point, so, mm -hmm. you know, props. Yeah. Uh, all right, and lastly, we've got Boston versus the, you know, New York Excelsior, which uh, just happened not too long ago. 
And um, you know, a lot of people obviously thought New York was gonna New York was gonna crush Boston. Boston, you know, is one of those teams where in the beginning of you know building teams, everybody was obviously very very hard on Boston. But you know, I, I think the the talk right now is that they're not as bad as everybody thinks they are. They're actually you know people putting them in that kind of nine range now. And um, yeah, what did you see tonight? Did you see that that team that everybody's talking about recently? Yes and no. You know, they were kind of competitive with New York. They they made Anubis close. They took a map. I don't remember which map they took to be to be they fair. The they took the third map. And Dorado wasn't that close to be honest. But actually, uh, to add to that actually, uh they did, you know, pressure NYXL to uh overtime on every single point. Mm -hmm. But like from from watching Boston playing against them a lot, um I personally have to take, you know, some flack because I did think they were going to be one of the worst teams entering this league, and I think that they actually are going to, going to be at least decent. Whether or not you know they end up in that top half or that bottom half, you know maybe that A spot, um, I can't really say for sure. But I do know just you know two takeaways from my perspective are that Striker is a really great player. I think people need to keep their eyes out, and I, I know the desk uh, mentioned that as well. Um, the other thing I'd say is that Gamsu is a really intelligent player. I I've always known he was a good a good player. Uh, obviously, like rank one in Korea in the first two seasons, I think of of Overwatch. But um, just from watching him, he's actually really intelligent. He knows when to use all of his abilities, when to get max value out of his uh, Winston bubbles. And I think that kind of like a sleeper pick if you want to watch out for Boston, definitely be watching out for that guy because he really enables the rest of the team to do their job. I think, uh, I mean, Boston definitely played better than people expected coming in. I would say, though, that New York was also kind of their own worst enemy. Like, the only yeah. reason why Dorado was even remotely close is that Pine <laughs> basically did nothing in the very beginning of Dorado. Yes. And yes, he played well, especially on the Dorado defense and later in the attack. But it's sort of like Pine was the one who put them in the hole to begin with because... Not only was his widow not hitting shots, he was also like not really going for body shots. So you saw Sableby just sitting there in the back, going, "Gee, I wish I had a distraction or damage players to go after." <laughs> so Sableby was just sitting there, going, "I can't do anything." And even when Pine swapped to Genji, was like struggling a little bit in the beginning on Dorado. It was still effective because you still have to pay a Genji respect, right? And if you're looking at Genji, you're not looking at Sableby. That's the main reason why, even though Pine was kind of getting crushed early on, even when you swapped to Genji, you suddenly saw Sableby taking over the game. And it's because you had the boots on the ground to sort of be that distraction. So I, I don't know. It, it was interesting because I felt like NY was definitely not playing up to their usual uh, potential. I would say here uh, for Boston though, we'll see where things go. I mean, I think that a lot of things still have to be defined and where teams stand. Mm -hmm. I do think that you could have the headline uh, beleaguered Boston team beats Florida man uh, later in the season. That much definitely seems like a possibility, but I don't know. We'll see so far. I don't think the lists are necessarily wrong, but I do think Boston was more competitive than people gave them credit for. And one thing I'd like to add to that, I think um, New York, they, they have potential to either be the number one team in the league, or they could be the worst Korean league in the sense that these guys i've always been really high up on on mm -hmm. the lw blue guys i you know really love them i one of the things i really like about that team is that they have uh they used to have been three really talented dps players uh they added in pine later on but they had flower and they had uh save Yulby. and you know those guys have always been really good uh but one of the issues with lw blue is that the team has always come short in land you know everybody that goes to apex will tell you 
even Nevix was telling me today uh, when we were talking, but um, that this is a team that always does really well in scrims, always just wrecks everybody, including you know teams like uh, Seoul, who was Lunatic High, or even you know the Kongdus. And then when it comes to land, they don't show up and they fail to leave it out there. I'd say that one person in particular that's kind of left out of that is uh, Sebiolbi. He pretty much always seems to perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that at the World Cup. We saw that in his stats in uh, previous seasons of Apex. But it's going to be really on the, the rest of these guys to make sure that they're not um, left behind in the dust, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting for Libero to, you know, just really shine. He's you know? amazing. Yeah, I mean, oh. he is amazing, but... You know, I don't know. It's 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 like so, in, the, in the big moments in Apex, he he just wasn't. You know, so one thing one thing I think that also needs to be said is that Libero and and Pine. Actually, uh, maybe I'll refrain from saying all of that. But Libero, <laughs> okay. we, we did. Well, I don't. I, I I'm not sure whether this happened. Or not. I don't yeah, want to really. Yeah. Sure, sure. But um, we did see Libero on that support role. So like, these roles on the roles on this team might be really flexible. Like. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know what's going to be happening. I think somebody was actually sick, or maybe it oh, might have been Jonak. Really? Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was. Yeah. I think you're right. Actually. Yeah. So that might be the case. But I, I have seen these guys, you know, not being afraid to swap things up. So you know, they have that flexibility down. They have really talented players. We'll see what that does. One thing I think is worth noting is that we do get a little bit of a litmus test in the final games that go on here. As you know, we kind of wrap up on out this match but going into tomorrow we have uh, the shock versus the spitfire and we'll get to Oof. see if the spitfire continues to do their jekyll and hyde act uh, bouncing between uh, busan and kongdu or you know maybe we'll get the you know true fusion roster uh, as if we're in some sort of anime battle so that's gonna be interesting what you do then, uh, <laughs> what you do harsh is you get the crowd to start saying gc busan gc <laughs> right no. there we go <laughs> yeah no yeah. And then, of course, San Francisco or San Fran ends up winning. And then uh, we learn that Harsha is now working for London. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, his my God. That means never dying. I'm sorry. You know what, actually? Yeah. What was that? Was, was there like a, an asset left over that said London coach or something like that? Oh, was it? No. Yeah. So so actually what happened today was I got I got interviewed on by by Zoe at like at the stage. And I saw people were talking about online. When did Harsha become London coach? So <laughs> right. I wasn't I wasn't really sure what happened there. Uh, I assume uh, Jack has already bought you. You just <laughs> don't I don't know it yet. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> you haven't got, uh, you didn't get that email. Uh, no. <laughs> so San Francisco is just a stepping stone, man. <laughs> no, no, that's a uh, that's hilarious. No leaks. Um, exactly. So all right, guys. Well, that's uh, that's it for day one, day two. But you know, day three is coming up. So there's going to be plenty to talk about, and obviously next week we'll get a chance to you know kind of review just how the preseason looked, and then we'll have I, to I wait was... another three weeks, you know, for more Overwatch. Uh, uh, what was that? ZP? I would say the matchups yeah. that are probably the most interesting to watch in terms of like really telling yeah, team threat. Yeah, I, I would say Shanghai versus Boston is going to be very telling because that's probably Boston's best chance to pick up a win, but it's also a good way of like seeing, all right, where does Shanghai stand on all this? Obviously going yeah. to first is a rough take. So yeah. I think that matchup is going to be particularly compelling. And then of course you have Seoul versus New York, where I think if New York play, like makes the mistakes they did today, Seoul would probably beat them, but we could also see if New York uh, also comes out with their best foot forward and mayhem versus fuel. If fuel treats it like, an exhibition like they did, maybe Mayhem could do well, but if Fuel comes out with their real roster, like, does it swap as much? I think Mayhem's in a load of hurt. 
That's like one of the worst matchups, I think, of the, the last ones, right? Like the man versus Fuel, really? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm interested to see the Outlaws versus Dynasty tomorrow. Like, I actually want to see how the Outlaws, like, measure up. Like, yeah. Just. Well, I'd just like to see how competitive they are with, mm -hmm. I think, presumably the best Korean team in the league because, I mean, yeah. you know, it's obviously a great litmus test, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, you want to put these guys up against the best and see, ah, the best, sorry, voice crack, and see how they do. So we'll see. Right. And I mean, we got the we got the classic LA battle. You know, we don't have the Lakers and Clippers anymore. We got the the Valiant and the Gladiators, and they're like, you know, this is the inauguration of the 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 matchup, the the inner city battle to see who who's really the king of LA. I, I like to imagine my mind as uh, an internal battle of Overwatch ladder. You have the Los Angeles Mercy Mains against the Los Angeles uh, Pickles. <laughs> Oh who will God. win? We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, at this time, like, I uh, wanted to remind you guys that we are uh, sponsored today by Freshly. Uh, Freshly is a, a meal service that you can uh, order these awesome freshly cooked meals that will be sent or they're prepared and they're, they're sent to you. And you can actually prepare or just get them ready to eat in three minutes. Um, they're always fresh. They're never frozen. So it's not like a frozen dinner where it comes out of the freezer and they send it to you. How it works is like chefs actually cook them and they immediately, uh, you know, kind of seal them, put them in these cooler boxes and they, they send them to you. So within 24 hours of being cooked, you know, you, you should be getting uh, these meals and it's up to you when you eat them. You don't have to eat them like right away if not, but that's, that's kind of how they're prepared and sent to you. So, uh, they're all hundred percent natural, no artificial flavors, preservatives or refined sugars and no gluten. Uh, and, um, they're also designed by nutritionists, which, you know, you got to eat healthy too, which is always good. But, um, you know, they, they sent us each, uh, myself and ZP and fish sticks, a few to try out, uh, ZP, did you, uh, I forget which ones did you get? Like, were they good? Which ones did you, the, ones the ones I got, that you like, I, got? If I remember, uh, I got yeah. chicken parmigiana, oh, chicken yeah. marsala, yeah. uh, chicken pilaf that was sent in as a bonus and then, uh, <laughs> nice. baked, uh penne. And the one it's thing I'll chicken. say about, uh, yeah. The meals is that obviously they are prepared fresh. Uh, the biggest thing that I'd give them props on is that the since I did have three chicken offerings, I could I, I feel like I'm qualified to talk about the chicken here. Isn't <laughs> the, yeah. I know my chicken. Uh, no, but the chicken breasts were very generous in regards to this. Like these were high quality. They were not like uh, just a little bit. Like it was very tasty. Uh, the vegetables also were generally a lot fresher than you would expect, especially from other offerings mm -hmm. and anything that's. Uh, you know, pre-cooked uh, and uh, sent to you. So yeah. I, I was overall pretty impressed with it. Just, uh, I would say the big thing is that quality meat was high and the vegetables were noticeably fresh. Yeah. I, you know what? When I, all four of them, I actually cooked them all at once, actually. I had, I had uh, just wow, the Wow, I'm I had, supposed to be the glutton. I know. Well, I didn't eat them all at once, but I, I had like, uh, just every Friday, we usually have like the family over. So I just decided like, hey, you know, we got these like on Thursday, I think. So I uh, figured we just kind of cook them all up and, and try them out and just get like everybody's impression of it. So overall, I think it was really good. I had the uh, meatloaf, the... Um, the the veggie penne, uh, the chili, the turkey chili, and then they gave me this um, Southwest veggie mix thing. And normally I would never have ordered the Southwest veggie mix. Like 
no way would I have picked that just if I had my choice. But I have to say, that was like my favorite out of all four of the things that they sent me. It was actually super tasty. Uh, but overall, yeah, everything tasted really, really fresh and the flavors were really good. So uh, definitely check out Freshly uh, at Freshly.com and enter the overview, or not the overview, just, just overview promo code, and you'll get $40 off your first two deliveries. So um, definitely check that out. And you know, if you somehow are able to communicate with them, thank them for uh, promoting the show. All right, a uh, bit of news. I think we kind of touched on it. You know, Miraculous Youngster, um, you know, basically disbanding. You know, they, at first it was, they were just going to take a break, right, from uh, Overwatch. But I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't really think about that as just, you know, just like disbanding altogether. I don't know if you guys like read that in between the lines. But uh, yeah, any surprises here? I mean... With the, not, with the news? Not, not really, no. right? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of it. Um, yeah. This was the best team in China, not even just, you know, by a close margin, by a considerable margin. Right. How, how is this, like, is it a contract issue? Like, what's going on? Like, why aren't they on Shanghai? This is... I have a feeling bizarre. there's something kind of going on, but I have no, I have no knowledge yeah. of it, and I have no way of saying, you know, something shady is going on. So, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I have literally no idea. Of all the scenes in Overwatch, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I don't know the inner workings of uh, Chinese China, regards <laughs> yeah, of course. Rest, because like it's a difficult scene to follow uh, from the outside in, and when there's a language barrier, which is substantial, it just I, I don't know. Like I just I don't know the inner workings. Like the the funny thing is that when you hear us talk about the you know, the North American and EU teams everyone's always holding their punches, right? Like everyone that's on the show generally is well-connected and knows more than what they're saying. And they sort of have to parse things out in a, you know, politically correct way. That's not leaks, leaks, leaks. (laughs) When it comes to China and Overwatch, I'm sort of, honestly, I don't have any insider info. It's just, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see it get worked out because there's a lot of talented people. I, I, a lot of talented players on that team. And, and now that they're removed from it, you know, I, I'd be surprised there's still something like blocking them from joining uh, that team. There's probably going to be yeah. another China team too. Like, wouldn't Well, hopefully surprised. come March. I mean, I hope yeah. come March a few of them are picked up for, for this team. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Another little bit of news. ACAM joins Team Red Bull. So I'm assuming that Red Bull is going to have a contenders team. No, uh, oh, this oh, is oh, actually no. just, a, oh, it's just, it's just like a Red Bull athlete. Basically. Oh, it's just a Red Bull athlete. Okay, so it has nothing to do with. Uh, never mind, guys. <laughs> Ignore what I just said. Yeah. So um, uh, let's talk about the real benefit, though. Yeah, sure? Here's the real benefit. It's not whatever money they're paying him. Yeah. It's that the man gets free Red Bull. <laughs> ZP's okay. favorite. Okay. Yeah. Red Bull can free yeah cost cost a lot of money after drinks. a while. Yeah, yeah. So if AKM suddenly develops a heart condition, we know why. <laughs> oh my God, Red Bull will never sponsor this the show ever. Because <laughs> it's of this, this uh, right it's also Jesus. that is a joke. That is, if Red Bull, if you're watching, I would love to have free Red Bull. My heart is great. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, yeah, I gave him. I guess you know, getting uh, you know, essentially a sponsorship, which is cool. Just you know, in pre- preparation for those couple months until pickup time. Um, I'm, I'm assuming we'll see, <laughs> but, um, Q and a guys, we got some questions from the, uh, just folks that are fans of the show and, uh, wanted to get one in. We got Kevin S here has a symmetric question. Oh yeah. Symmetric has been in the center of a lot of toxicity in the community to say, at l- to say the least would given the Symmetra the mercy treatment by putting her ultimate abilities as weaker, regular abilities on E and then giving her some type of defense alt on par with Lucio and Zen, give her a better, off support option 
or role for both offense and defense. She would then become an equivalent to Mercy for the role that would help be helpful in defending flankers like Genji while still offering barrier-piercing utilities. For a weaker teleport, you'd have to do or give two or three charges, put 36, 30 to 60 second cooldown and for shield gen, you know, something similar. So yeah, you think there needs to be a redesign of Symmetra, you know, that, that kind of incorporates her ultimate on a regular ability and, you know, maybe adding so something like that. So I think there needs to be a redesign, but not of the hero, but of when you can pick heroes. Here's the reality is that I think specialist heroes are good for oh, the game. Okay. I don't th I don't think players have the self-control to use them properly is what it boils down to, where what I would like to see, and this is where go this would be a new thing for Overwatch, and yet I think it would be entirely fitting and solve a whole lot of issues, is that instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and, you know, make Symmetra more generalist or make Torbjorn more generalist, embrace the fact that turret heroes by their very nature are much better on defense. And then what you do is you lock them. So they're only pickable on defense and you can't pick them at all on control. You stop trying to put players in the situation of, Oh, but what if you made this like clearly defensively designed hero work on attack and go, no, we're not going to give you that option. We're going to make this the best possible hero for a defensive situation. But the flip side is you can now only pick it on defense. I think that solves a lot of issues, both with the design of these heroes in terms of, you know, people trying to play it in wrong areas, but also very much fixes some of the very public ladder uh, issues with the one tricking issue. Because realistically speaking, when people complain about one tricks, the thing they're complaining about most are Symmetra and Torb on attack. Yep, that's true. Okay, I mean that is a solution. I, I can see. I definitely, yeah, I definitely see yeah. merit in that. Um, although I, I'm sure a lot of people would be really, really unhappy. Um, I mean, I think one one thing to note is kind of that if you did do this, you need to kind of revamp the class system and make the categories more fitting. Um, you know, you don't want to. Maybe you could just do it specifically for those two heroes because those two do seem to be the, the current problem. Um, yeah, but Widow on defense know. would be pretty crappy. Like, you can't play Widow yeah, on exactly. offense to counter. Yeah, that would be just wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have an exact solution. I'm not a dev for a reason. But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, there definitely does seem to be some sort of issue, you know, between self-control and having a hero that's specifically built for a specific kind of point in the game. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I would say that just to, you know, just kind of throw in a, a different angle is that I, I don't think a redesign for Symmetra is such a bad idea either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, keep her, keep her teleport, keep her, you know, shield gen if you want. But I mean, the rest of the stuff just, you know, like the turret, the, the sentries and things like that. I mean, they really don't have that much of a purpose right now. Um, they're not that effective at all, you know, to be honest. So the, here's the problem. And this is like the eternal problem with turret heroes in an FPS game in particular is that for turret heroes, if you make the hero good at general combat, suddenly the turret hero is obscenely overpowered because you get to add free damage while be being a good combat hero. So you're kind of at a rock and a hard place here where if you're going to stick to the idea of turrets, you have to have these heroes sort of function the way they are right now. And unfortunately, the way turrets work is that you can't, like making it work on an offensive end is incredibly complicated to say the least and potentially not even really workable without making the hero just ungodly powerful. So uh, as I, far as I, it goes... I, I just that. feel like you mm -hmm. you either embrace the fact that they're turret heroes or you scrap the idea of turrets entirely. But, you know, I think you could actually do that Symmetra. I don't think Symmetra is, like, inherently linked to the idea of having turrets. I think you could just, like, rework her and remove that part entirely. Torb, you're kind of stuck with the turret. 
I mean, the, the Torp turret is just simpler. You know, like you just build one turret, you know, and if it dies, then you just build one turret again. With Symmetris, it's like you spend like a good minute preparing, you know, like setting up these <laughs> these turrets. And then once they're gone, you're just kind of like, shit, it's got to take me another 60 seconds to set these things up or whatever, 30 seconds to set these things up again. You know, so it, it's it could still be turret. It's just I think it, it just has to be designed a little differently and, and simpler and, sh and just allow her to actually do it at a higher frequency. Because, you know, right now it just doesn't matter. After the, her first positioning, it's just over. Like she basically has no other ability there, you know, that or at least impactful ability. There is one, of one thing I uh, sorry, uh, real quick. No, there's one thing I wanted to see uh, from Symmetra for ages, and this is just would make her much more fun to play. Is that the, you know generally the way charge mechanics work or can work in video games that you know the bigger something is, the slower it goes. Yeah. It would be nice for Symmetra if you could do like smaller charged orbs that move a lot quicker, so you could alternate between like the big orb that's space clearing and small orbs that are meant to actually like hit people rather than just zone them out. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Harsh, uh, I guess. Yep. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd add is that. These heroes do probably need a revamp of some sort. I mean, Blizzard has actually noted that um, Symmetra and Torbjorn are two of the highest win rate heroes in the game. And then they also have this negative stigma. So, you know, yeah. two opposite sides of the spectrum. Maybe we could bring both of them closer to the middle. We got to ignore console like stats for that. <laughs> no, no. Fair. yeah that, that is a very weird you know that's that's a tough uh place for the designers to be in you know whenever you're you're, you're seeing that sort of thing um but all right well guys if you guys any have any questions for us next week go ahead and send those to the overview at chamanv.tv definitely try to read them out but that's gonna be it for this week uh harsha so it's a pleasure having you harsha um maybe one last thing for you harsha uh, just, you know, the fact that, you know, now that you're on, you know, the San Francisco and, and, um, again, just kind of want to get your thoughts on just like how far you've come, you know, like there was, it was like a year ago, year and a half, maybe two years ago, you're making videos for the first time, like, you know, on, on YouTube and posting on Reddit and, you know, now, you know, we see you obviously being an analyst on one of the OWL teams and we've seen other community members like Captain Planet being re hired recently, you know, as the stats guy for OWL and just, you know, community kind of taking care of the, you know, the community, you know, type of thing. So yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on that and how you feel about it. I mean, I'm really obviously grateful for people, um, you know, not just the people that, that got me into this position by bringing me up, but you know, everybody that watches my videos, like every, everything like that, you know, it always helps, um, in that sense. I mean, it's kind of cool to be in a new scene because kind of when you start out that scene, people that do work kind of rise with it. You know, people like ZP were, were one of the original, or I guess he and Hex were kind of the original casters and they're, you know, very prominent in the scene still. Um, you mentioned Ben, uh, both myself and he have been working in the scene since the beginning. So, you know, I think that you're right in the sense that people do take care of their own kind of, and it's nice to be here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm definitely happy to see, see success, the success you've had. And um, any shout outs you want to do before you take off here? Uh, I will, I'll shout out my, my team, I guess, you know, hashtag yeah. shock, shock the world. I, I, you know, my, my hashtag suggestion was actually hashtag get shook. Uh, got beat out. It got beat out by two percent. So unlucky. Next time, maybe. <laughs> but but uh, it, you know, um, no, that's about it. 
Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, well, actually, actually, no, you know, thank you for, thank you guys for having me. Oh yeah, of course, man. We, we, we got to do it again. Def- definitely. And, uh, you know, for those of you like Harsh, Harsh has been, I don't know how many podcasts you've been part of or, or been doing recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> he is Mr. Overwatch podcast these days, man. Uh, I'm just glad we finally got made a, at least we finally figured out a time to have you on. What was that ZP? I said there are a lot of them nowadays. There are a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ZP, shout outs. I mean, shout out wise, of course, uh, shout outs to Overwatch League now launching. Uh, definitely catch a final mm-hmm. two days of preseason. Uh, and then something, something Twitter plug at Tempo ZP. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, it's one of those things where it's like, I should have more gusto when plugging Twitter. But it's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, lastly, yeah, for me, thanks to the two of you guys for uh, doing the show. You know, it's obviously kind of late, and you know everybody else for watching too. I know we uh, did it a bit late tonight, but we're probably gonna have to do this. Well, no, actually, we don't have to do it next week because there's not gonna be any matches. So, might go back to a little bit earlier time. Uh, but again, uh, you can catch the vods at YouTube.com/slash/ChamianV. Um, you know, Overwatch League guys, it's here finally. You know, we've waited so long, and you know we're we're seeing you know the actual product and then regular season is going to be here you know, just at a blink of the eye once the new new se- uh new year starts so um get ready for it this is going to be a big time for overwatch and you know can't wait to see where actually this rocket ship goes you know in the end but um uh, you can find the this podcast also on itunes as well as uh, google play and soundcloud.com slash v but uh that's gonna be it guys for this week so for harsha zp and myself chairman v we'll see you next week 